Welcome to the Princeton Evangelical Free Church Podcast. I'm John Padno, the lead pastor here at PEFC, where it is our desire to equip people to grow together in Christ. Our hope is that this podcast is a help and an encouragement to you this week. May God bless you as you listen. In other words, God is revealing things about himself that we, only we now have the privilege, and the same with Stephen and his listeners, have the privilege of going back and seeing how God was revealing himself. To me, that's exciting. What do I mean by that? The glory of God, does it only reside in Israel? Where does the glory of God appear to Abraham? In Mesopotamia. So what does that mean? It means that God is working in places and in people that we have no idea about, as he does with Abraham. God is not confined to land boundaries, nor is he confined by the walls of this church. Amen? What we see as well in Abraham as a signpost is that God is a God who sends leaders who are called according to his divine purposes not because they are good enough in and of themselves, not because they have earned a right to be called. Not to mention God gives this promise of offspring of a nation and a possession, even though Abraham does not own anything. And he doesn't even have any children. Who is in control to fulfill both of those promises of land and children? Is Abraham capable? No. God's covenant promises are met and fulfilled and can only be fulfilled by God. We see this as it is only God who, when he makes a covenant, they write sacrifice an animal in order to walk through it to say, if I break this covenant, let me be like this animal. Did you know Abraham doesn't walk through it? Only God walks through this covenant. Because why? Because God's promises are conditional only to his faithfulness. And we love that, right? Because are we as faithful as God? (laughs) Heck no. Is God always faithful? Absolutely. All of it rises and falls on the faithfulness of God. God provides, he provides the covenant sacrifice and not just when the ram gets caught in the thicket like with Abraham right before he sacrifices Isaac, but God provides the sacrifice in providing his only beloved unique son to be the acceptable sacrifice for all time. You see, when we try to earn our own salvation through our sacrifices, not only it's impossible, it's detrimental, defining rest and assurance, but ultimately it's a rejection of God and his faithfulness. God sends leaders like Abraham, but God sends leaders like Joseph. Read with me in verse 9. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, they sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. Where is he? And rescued him. Everyone say rescued rescued him out of all of his affliction. 
and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all of the household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and in Canaan, and a great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And as we remember, on the second visit, they go up to Joseph, and Joseph reveals himself. He makes himself known to his brothers. And Joseph's family becomes known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all of his relatives, 75 persons in all. Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. The glory of God is it in Israel at this time. The glory of God is with Joseph in Egypt, which tells us this, that God can bring his presence and influence in any nation he wants to, in any city, in any company you may work for, and in any household. God, he sends leaders like Joseph who are even rejected by his own brothers. Do we know of another leader like that? God here reveals for himself, in, in some respects, for the first time, as a rescuer. God's promise, was it completely fulfilled with 75 people? Right? Abraham gets his nation. There's 75 people. Right? God's promise is that big. Is it completely filled? Is it a capstone? I would say no. What about even as this transpires, as Joseph gets sold into slavery in Egypt, that there ends up being a famine in the land and God provides for his people in that way? What this tells us is this, that God's promises and plans are as big and as vast as God is. Last but not least, God sends leaders like Moses. But, at, but as the time of promise, everyone say promise, drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose in Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. And he dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. Right? This is why Moses, born at this time, finds himself in a basket floating down the river. And Moses is born, and he was, what? Beautiful in God's sight. Now, how many of y'all listen to Christmas music this early? I do not, okay? I'm going to say I don't. But I was reminded of a Christmas song, right? That Christ was Lord at thy birth, and Moses is beautiful and a chosen leader at his birth. You see the correlation? He was brought up for three months in his father's house, and when, uh, and when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was instructed in all wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. He goes by increments of 40 for some reason. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, and seeing one of them being wrong, he defended 
the opposed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation. Everyone say salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronged, his neighbor, he thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At the response, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. And we all know this story from Sunday school, or the majority of us do. Forty years had passed by an angel appeared to him in the wilderness in the Mount Sinai in what form? In a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and he drew near to look. And there came a voice, the voice of the Lord, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is there. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. Everyone say deliver. And now come, I send you to Egypt. This Moses, right? Think about Stephen, his speech. This Moses, this leader, this chosen one of God, they rejected, and they said, who made you a ruler and judge? This man of God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to them in the bush, this man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the leader, this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God is going to raise up for you another prophet like me, but not me, like me, who's going to come after me, but he's going to be from among you. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him in Mount Sinai. And with our fathers, he received living oracles, or maybe I'll put it in Jesus' words, living water to give to us. And what did they do? History, as we know, repeats itself. Our fathers refused to obey him. They thrust him aside. And even though he is so clearly seen to do signs and wonders and to be chosen by God, their hearts turned away from him back to their idolatry, back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. As for Moses, who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the work of their hands, and God gave them away to their own disordered minds. God sends leaders like Moses, and Moses finds the presence of God where? In a most unexpected, unexpected place. But not only is the burning bush unexpected, but Moses had gone out to his field to tend his flock how many days out of a year? Every day. And how many days for 40 years, do the math, he saw nothing that was unexpected. 
How many days have you commuted on 169 and have really saw nothing different? Right? Mundane. Probably many. What God shows us here is that you can find him in unexpected and mundane places like your commute. God in his presence could even be found in a mundane place like your deer stand. And if you're like me, you don't ever see a deer, and so I'm happy to find the Lord there. God sends leaders like Moses who are beautiful in his sight and yet are not easily and readily known by the people they're supposed to lead. We see over and over, historically speaking, they rejected Moses as leader, as ruler, as deliverer. And God, in this moment, as we read the text, he reveals himself as someone who brings redemption and salvation and reconciliation. Huge words, big ideas, huge implications. God's most prominent ruler, the one that Stephen is accused of blaspheming, is the deliverer Moses, but even Moses says, I'm just a signpost pointing to one who's going to come after. Because Jesus is the greatest ruler and deliverer who did not rule only from a distant throne, but came near to the lowliest parts of his kingdom. No, Stephen fast-forwards history. Look at it with me in verse 44. He says, Our fathers... They had a tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to this pattern. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they disposed of the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the time of David, King David decided what? I want to make a dwelling place for God. Was David able to make that dwelling place? He was not. But his son Solomon is the one who built a house for the Lord. Yet, even Solomon knew the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? And what is the place of my rest? Did I not make all of these things? That is to say, God will not and cannot be contained by human hands or by human understanding. And so we come to the irony and the hard truth that they must hear. Stephen says, look at history. Who is really following God's law and reading God's signposts? You are a stiff-necked people. You are maybe circumcised out of ritual and tradition, but you're uncircumcised in your hearts and in your ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Have you ever read the prophets? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed in murder, you who receive the law as though it is delivered by angels, and yet you do not keep it. Stephen flips the argument on his head. He says, I'm not the one misinterpreting Scripture here. You are. Israel's history with a ruler and deliverer has in fact repeated itself through the killing of the righteous one by unrighteous hypocrites. 
They have an unhealthy history and pattern that keeps repeating itself. And before we're too hard on the Israelites, I wonder how many of us have our own unhealthy patterns and habits that keep repeating itself. Us good church people? I was, uh, you know, even in this reminded of a time, and maybe some of you have been in churches like this where uh, you may know some people who go from church to church and every church that they go to, they end up causing it to split. And we would think to ourselves, man, you, you think you'd recognize that unhealthy pattern and you'd change, right? Whether it is addiction that you struggle with, or maybe it could be as simple as an unhealthy pattern of falling from doing spiritual discipline. It can be, and some of us know this, uh, in our lives, we know people who have an unhealthy pattern of starting drama and others who have an unhealthy pattern and a lack of consistency in character. And yet, just as Stephen and those who heard his message, they had an opportunity to respond just as we do. C.S. Lewis has said, you can't go back and change the beginning, right? Some of us have these patterns because of how we grew up, how we raised, things that we've learned, things that we have implemented, things that we've neglected. And although we cannot change some of those things, most of those things, you can start where you are and you can change the ending. That is the hope of the gospel. Stephen gives them the good news, and it is in fact good news in light of the bad news of the fallenness of our sinful nature and our state of condemnation apart from Jesus. Stephen is patient, he's tactful, and yet he is wholly truthful in the face of opposition. As we finish and read the end of Stephen's life on earth, we have some final thoughts. It says, uh, you know, to this preaching and to this message, they were cut to the heart, but not to respond positively. They were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and what he saw was the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. But they crowd out, cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, and they rushed at him together, and then they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses, in order to free up their throwing hand, they cast their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. You see, Luke, as a great storyteller, we see this in the movies all the time, a main character appears in the background. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Three things. One, the fruit of Stephen's ministry and his message, it doesn't come immediately. 
that's hard for us to receive. We want immediate uh, fruitfulness. Who wouldn't, right? How many of you want to wait a couple hours in order to, to make something, to cook a meal? I don't. I want to eat now. The fruitfulness doesn't come immediately, but the fruitfulness does come in a huge way. How many of you guys remember the parable of the sower who sows seed? Right? And, and when I read that, I think, oh man, all the gospel seeds that are picked up by the birds, all the gospel seeds that are choked out by the elements, by, uh, by the thorns. But Jesus' point in that parable is how those seeds that penetrate deeply will produce a huge amount of fruit. Saul is proof of that fruit as he gives his life to Jesus. He, he heard the sermon, and yet the fruit comes later in a huge way. As Stephen, he gazes up and he sees the glory of God. He sees Jesus. He's not sitting on his throne, but he's doing what? He's standing. Jesus is getting up from his throne. It's like someone rising up in order to greet a friend. This is a visual depiction of what I hope you desire to see when you see Jesus face to face. He's getting up because he knows you. He identifies you. He's getting up to give you a hug and have you enter into his Father's presence. The worst thing that can ever happen to a Christian by people in opposition to us is to send us to be with Jesus, which is what we really want anyway. Finally, the law and the temple, they're not capstones of God's plan of redemption, but rather they are signposts that would point to two things. One, our desperate need for a savior and rescuer because of our inability to keep God's holy law. No matter how much we recognize it as God's word, no matter how much we see it as divine, given by angels, we are, all of us here, to some respect, hypocrites. And yet, two, reveals how only Jesus is sufficient to fulfill the law and bring about God's perfect presence among us. Only God, only God can ratify an eternal covenant. Only God does eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we get to read and even be a part of a big and grand and beautiful story. And I pray that even though we went through a lot of narrative, that we would see how all of those dots connect. Not just so we could show people how smart we are, but that we would have a sense of joy and a sense of comfort in seeing how you are painting a beautiful picture. And seeing who you've revealed yourself to be and how our hearts truly delight in that. Father God, we went through a lot of promises in regards to your presence. We went through promises and things that we uh, see revealed in your leaders and the people you send and the people you call. And I pray, even if it's just one of those truths, Lord, that it would plant in our hearts deeply as we leave this place, as we go to walk 
in our regular, daily, mundane life. Lord God, that you would impress upon our hearts the truth that we need to know and you would transform us. Father God, as we talk next week with Brian Ferrone about uh, more of a capstone idea of your coming back for your people and establishing your rule and reign, I pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Let us not come to these things as though we know them so well and can be so familiar with them, but let us come with a true humility and a desire to see you be revealed for who you truly are in all your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast and consider subscribing and sharing with others. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please go to princetonfree.com. God bless.